We're having a blessed morning. A lot of uh, a lot of days off in the Marine Corps. Raise your hand. You got three days off. Yes, yes. Some of you. Two days off. Four. Take it easy. This is, uh, I always knew Marines were slackers. So that's, uh, yeah. There you go. So we had Jerry was in uh, Jerry talk. Jerry was in the Army. I was in the Air Force. So we're the two odd ducks in this place. So it's. Uh, you know, he's got to tease the Marines whenever you can. So, oh, you were in the Air Force too, that's right. <laughs> Anyways, well, good morning. So we are on a series uh, called Moving Towards Christ. And what this is is a, a series of messages uh, with the idea behind it that the Christian life is never stationary, right? You're either moving forwards or you're moving what? Backwards, right? There's no, we don't get to tread water in Christianity. We're moving towards or away from Christ. And how often you go to church or, or what your exterior looks like, your, your Christianese, as we would call it as Christians, is not indicative if you're moving away or towards Christ, because we can all trick each other, right? We, we've talked about this. So if we go back in time a few thousand years and we're, we're there with Jesus, part of the problem people had with Jesus was who he hung out with, right? So give me some examples of the, uh, the people Jesus hung out with. Tax collectors, prostitutes, drunks, drunks uh, fishermen. fishermen, yeah, fishermen, those are the worst, those built in lives, right? <laughs> those that are marginalized, right, those that society pushed away, that's what he gravitated towards, right, and the religious leaders didn't like it. Now here's a question for you. So Jesus, as the Son of God, he is God, who, in that scenario, the the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, and then you have the religious Israelites. Who is moving towards God and who is moving away from God? Yeah, the sinners were moving towards God, right? So of those two people, whom was God well pleased with? Yeah, these sinners, these tax collectors. When Jesus was dining with these people, he didn't say, repent before you come in and eat with me, did he? He opened up his door and said, come, come. Now, I'm not trying to get away from your pets. It's not even what we're talking about today. But the idea of, like, these people were moving towards Christ, and the people you thought were religious, people that should be moving towards God, were moving away from him. They're the ones that would cry out, crucify him. Amen? Amen. And have our Lord hung on a tree. So that's why this series is moving towards Christ, because it's not always apparent who is moving towards God and who is moving away from God. That's the whole idea, right? And only you and your life will know, are you moving towards or away? So we've done a series of messages in trying to push us towards Christ, amen? To help locate where are you? Last week, Pastor Trace talked about doubt. And we realized that in the Bible, some of our heroes all had doubt, right? And in Christian circles, this is a thing that is kind of a taboo topic. Don't express your doubt. Someone says, I, I, I don't understand this, right? I, I, I kind of doubt it works like this. I mean, all of our hearts kind of go in our throats, right? Uh-oh, somebody's, somebody's about to be you know, leaving the faith. But we realize that Christianity is not a religion where we just throw our brains away, right? Like, God fully expects you to think about the things you believe, right? That if you think through these things, you're not going to fully understand them, right? Has anyone ever... Outside of Christianity, you've been exposed to the idea that I doubt and that's how that works, and later on you find out that's how that works. Yeah, all of us do, right? Like, it's like, oh, I've got new information, so I'm changing my mind. And I think, as, as I've been a Christian for a long time, is the Bible always, like, surprises me. Because there's things like, I don't think it works like this, and years later, I'm studying and reading and understanding, like, oh my gosh, this is definitely what God said in the Word, right? I understand these things. But today, what I want to do is I want to talk about faith. So this is the opposite of doubt. And unbelief. We want to talk about the other side of that. It's faith and what the Bible says about it. If that's okay with you. This is actually one of my favorite topics. So I'm going to read our verse of the day, which comes out of Hebrews 11.6. And I think this is important. You should know this one. If you would uh, put this up on the screen, it says... It's not the right one. There we go. It says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For who would ever draw near to God must believe that he exists that he rewards those who seek. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, just bless our, our, our next half hour, 40 minutes together. Father, as we go through your word, Lord, will you imprint upon our hearts what we need to know about this topic and how to please you in this. We ask you this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. What you see up there, it says it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible. So this is going to be very important. To move towards Christ, you have to have faith. Now we have to talk about what is biblical faith, right? And again, I like points, but I'm just an organized guy like that, how I think about things. So I'm going to give you four points we're going to talk about. But we've got to set some ground rules here. It's because in 2022... Faith has kind of gotten a bad name to it, right? People use faith to believe for all sorts of weird stuff. Like, hey, has anyone heard that God wants you rich, like super rich? Has anyone heard these things? Am I the only one that's heard this? Brian's heard it? Okay, no one's ever turned on Christian TV and weird out heard some crazy stuff. Nobody? Right, yes, okay. So there's, uh, I do think God provides for you. Like, So half of the room wants to throw rocks at me, all right, so just... Hear me out on this whole topic, right? I do think God provides. We're going to talk about how these things work. But faith is never meant, and I want to put this up front, is never used to make God your genie. Amen? Amen. That we can use our faith to exploit God for our own personal advantages. Amen? Amen. So in 1 Corinthians 13.13, Paul is writing this master course on love, and he talks about like all these how all these things are going to happen. At the very end, he says, now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So we see in the Christian life, we have faith, we have hope, we have love. If you've been here for any length of time at Pillar Oceanside, we've spent a good year and a half talking about love. We went through the Gospel of John. We went through First John. And what's John's favorite topic? Love. Love. We beat you over the head on this one. So hope and faith, we need to talk about what are the uh, the two differences between them. Like today, we're going to hone in on faith, but they're very similar, right? Like so, it's like this idea of hope and faith. Like, well, we understand what love is, but what what are the differences between the two? Now, moving quickly here, um, Galatians put up Galatians five six. So we're still in my little preamble. We're setting the rules. It says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Paul writes that love is the greatest because, A, it's the command God gives us is to love God and to love people, right? But faith doesn't work apart from love, right? So that's why we, we, we major in the topic of love. Like, you, you think you have faith, but if you have not love, the Bible says you have nothing, right? It says that, 1 Corinthians actually says you're a sounding brass, like noisy symbols. You think you got it going on, but it's just a bunch of noise. So this is one of my points, but I want you to realize this, that if you think you have faith to move mountains, and you just don't love people, that's not biblical faith, right? And that's why these get-rich-quick schemes uh, of Christians that say, oh, my faith will make, you know, I can, I can call down millions of dollars and all these kind of things. That's not love. That's greed. That make sense? Love is always expressed outwards, right? Love is an act. We see this as it's service. Jesus gave us the, the, this great parable of the, the, the Samaritan. Remember this? A guy was beaten and robbed on a road. And it, it starts off with like, Jesus, you tell us to love my neighbor. And it's a great question, who's my neighbor, right? It's like, this is easy. I got one to love, right? This is easy. I don't have to love eight people total in my life, right? And Jesus says, well, let me, let me tell you a story. He tells the story of this guy that was robbed and beaten. And he was left for dead on the road. And these, these Jewish people walked by him, and they left him there to die. But the Samaritan comes up and takes care of the guy. He, he binds up his wound. He pays for his hotel. Just takes care of everything. And Jesus asks this question, who is this guy's neighbor? So well, the guy that took care of him. And that is so powerful there because we realize that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Who's our neighbor? Anyone we come into contact with. Right? You at that moment now are that person's neighbor. We're to meet those needs. So that's what love looks like. It's sacrificial. So this idea of faith where all your faith is used to bless me, heal me, 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 me. Like we're violating love right there. Right? Our faith, I should be using my faith outwardly. Right? It doesn't mean God doesn't take care of us. We're going to talk about this. Okay. So let's get to work here. We got, we got some scriptures to talk about. So I, I told you up front we want to talk about little, very quickly the difference between hope and faith. And I think John Piper says it the best, so I'm just going to steal his so we can move on. John Piper says this, Biblical hope is not just a desire for something good in the future, but rather biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. It's a confident expectation of something good in the future. So 
if my, I, I have two kids, and if my son's like, I hope dad is buying pizza for dinner tonight. Okay. Is that hope? Is that hope? Yeah. Yes. Is it biblical hope? No. No, because you can't be really confident about that, right? Like, he can't be, he can't be 100% sure that dad is buying pizza there. And I am not, because if I'm a barbecue after church, I'm going to feel gross after barbecue. So his hope is messed up. Biblical hope, like I said, is so much more than I, I, I hope. I hope my uh, husband's in a good mood when he comes home from work. Right? I, we have all these kinds of hope. These are these are wonderful, but that's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is anchored in the idea that you're confident this is going to happen. Right? So faith, hope, and love. So hope is always future based. Hope and faith. Hope works by faith as well, right? But hope, remember, is future. We hope for something. And actually, Paul tells us in Corinthians, like, who hopes for something he's seen? If you have it, you don't need to hope for it, right? Amen. So faith, then, is past, present, and future, what you believe, right? So in Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, let me read the first three verses. It says, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. There's your biblical definition of faith. We're going to get to that. It says, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God. And so what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So you see here, faith looking towards the past. Hope is future. Faith is past, present, and future. And Psalm 27, 13 says, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Are we in the land of the living? Yes. What the psalmist is saying here is like, look, I would have given up if I didn't believe that God moved into here and now. Amen? There's a lot of people that think God is doing nothing. He'll just take care of us on the other side. But that's a lie. Right? God is taking care of us now. Amen? So faith is past, present, and future about what you believe about God's promises. Right? So hope is always future-based. We have this hope in Christ Jesus. The Bible says the whole earth groans to be changed for the revealing of the Son of God. And God says, I bound them to that hope. We all have hope that when we die, we'll be with the Lord forevermore. Amen? You see the difference in biblical hope there? Hope is like, this isn't like rolling the dice. Hey, I might get there, I might not. We, our hope is in a person, right? That if we would die today, we would be with the Lord in glory. Amen? Not based upon what we've done, how we behave. It's all in our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's a confident expectation. So that is faith, and that is hope. Amen? Faith worketh by love. Amen? Our faith is made strong in our love. Okay. So we have our definitions here. So what I want to do for the next few minutes is just talk about faith, why this is important, how to use it, and understanding this topic. I, I'm going to make a bold statement here. will absolutely change your life. Getting this into your heart and your spirit will change your Christianity. Amen? Yeah. But let's make a couple notes. We're going to have four things we're going to talk about. Number one is faith requires endurance. Yeah. Hebrews 6.12 says this, he says, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the examples of those who are going to inherit the promises because of their faith and because of their endurance. Believing in God, believing in his promises, believing like you pray for something and you know God's word says you can have it. This is not a one and done thing, friends. This is a lifelong process. We wake up every day believing God. The Lord's Prayer, he says, give us this day our daily what? bread. Why can't we just pray at once? Lord, provide my food for the rest of my life. Wouldn't that just save us all a lot of times? We can just spend one day praying for the rest of our lives and be done with it. Live our lives, right? No. God wants a daily walk with you. That's why faith is it's a daily thing, right? That God requires these things and we've got to believe God every single day. I would have despaired unless I believed I would see God move in the land of the living. Do we need God to move in our land of the living today? We live in a dark place, don't we? And the psalmist says, I would have despaired unless I believed God would do something. And there's Christians right now who God is doing nothing. People mock us. Where's your God? Look how dark this world is. We've got to wait. We, faith, right? We, I would have despaired. I will see. I, I personally do see God move in my life every day. I believe that. Amen? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. But our goal is to please our God. Yes? Yes. The Bible actually uses those words. We ought to know how to live and please God. That's actual quote from the Bible. I got news for you. <laughs> like the purpose of why we come here is great. I'm glad to know you. Is we disciple each other. There's all these things. But we need to learn how to please God. 
Right? Like, that's why we've been given these great precious promises. Right? Why do we do this? Because we want to please the one who's made us. Right? And so, to please God, I better learn to operate in faith daily. We realize that this isn't something you do once. Your faith is not the moment you just got saved. Right? Oh, I got saved, therefore God is pleased with my faith. Yes, in this moment he is. But you can't go through the rest of your life in unbelief in God. In unbelief in his promises. Right? That is not well-pleasing. And I would say that's not a believer. We're called believers for a reason, right? Because we believe. Well, we've got to find out what we believe. Acts 14, 22. It says here, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So our faith in God is designed here. You know, so the, uh, they're not, Luke writing this is not saying, hey, our faith here is for us to get rich, is to continue in it as we go through tribulation. Right? Our faith is meant to help us work to get through these tribula- these trying times. Has anyone gone through a trying time? A really trying time. Right? And I pray, if you've gone through it as a Christian, it's your faith that gets you through that. It's your trust in Jesus Christ. It's my trust that I have a Heavenly Father who cares about me and will see me through to the other side. And I, I won't take the time today, but boy, like if you could just hear my testimony, of waiting on the Lord in these trials. And he, I always come out better. Always come out better. I'm never for the worse of going through tribulation. And here, Luke is writing he, that the, the, the disciples are saying, is like he wants to encourage the people to stay in the faith. Right? That just doesn't mean stay in your religion. Right? It's so much broader than that. Like, hey, I pray you stay a Christian. That's great. What does that even mean? Right? Because you can come to church every Sunday of your life and not be a Christian. Is that true? You can call yourself whatever you want. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Does it mean if Jesus says there's people that can say, Lord, Lord, right? Stay in the faith. That means you need to stay in a posture of believing God. Well, if you think, it, and I really want you to think about this. Like, I don't want this to be a cute message, but if you think about Israel going through the desert, why wasn't God pleased with them? They started not believing. They started doubting him. Right? They're like, oh, you drove us into the wilderness to kill us here? Hey, Egypt, we had food. Do you remember that? These whole conversations? They had just saw God part the water. They just saw God kill Pharaoh and his army. Right? A week later, did you bring us out here to kill us? The Bible says God is not well pleased with them. Because they start doubting God. One day, God, you're great, you're good. Next day, God, have you abandoned me? Have you? What are you doing? Right? God doesn't like, you see the shenanigans we go through. And so the first point that it's an endurance race is you have to set your heart that you wake up believing God every day. And it doesn't mean you don't doubt. That's why we talked about that last week, right? You're going to have moments where this is tough. But you're studying, you're asking. Like I always encourage you, if you're doubting something, it's like, I think the Bible says this. I, there's a lot of smart people in this church that would love to talk to you, right? Like, let's talk about this, right? And some of these things aren't solved overnight. But anyways... Just remember, your faith is an endurance race. Number two, faith requires active participation. James 2.18 says this, But some will say, you have faith and I have deeds. James says here, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. See, friends, when you have true biblical faith, that should move you to action. Believing something and then not doing something, you really have to question, do you really believe it, right? If you believe, you could make the PGA Tour. John. But you never go play golf, does that faith in your ability do anything for you? No. If you are, you've heard, this This is an old one. Let's say you haven't had water in two days. You're just completely dehydrated. You have a big bottle of water. You say, I believe if I drink that water, I'll be satiated, I'll be hydrated. But you don't drink the water. You really, what's wrong with you, right? So you say you believe that God, that Jesus is God. That's great. What are you doing about it? Because what did Jesus do? He fed people. He clothed people, right? Should I be in a, should I be, be a disciple? Should I pray? Should I read my Bible? Right? You say all these things. I say I'm a Christian. Well, prove it to me. And that's what James says. He goes, you say you have faith, but I will prove to you I have faith by what I do. Faith requires your active participation. 
Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So if you say, I'm a Christian, and you don't pray, do you, are you in the faith? If you say, I believe prayer works, and you don't pray, do you really believe it? Here's what I really think. I think most people don't pray because of deep inside they don't really think does it. Because if you really did, you'd be praying all the time. If God hears you and answers prayer, why would we not turn to him the first moment of anything? Why wouldn't he be the very first person to go to? Why wouldn't you start your day off with prayer? Praying for your husband, your kids, your wife, your job, your co-workers. If it did do something. But the problem is, is your heart tells you, this doesn't work. I don't have time for this. Are you kidding me? We make time for so many things, but we have a God who says, I will hear you and answer your prayer, and we can't carve out the time limits. This is why, without faith, it's impossible to believe. You tell me you believe, but your actions tell me you don't. Because you really believe if you do something. Right? I really love my wife. And I take care of her. I take her out. On vacations, I try to do the things that she likes and pleases her. Doesn't always work out. But my heart's intent is to take care of this woman. I say that because she's not here this morning. <laughs> but do you get where I'm going? Like, if I say I love her, but then I ignore her, I miss her birthday, I don't say happy anniversary, I don't buy her gifts, I don't take her out, I don't do any of these things. And then I say, Why are you leaving me? I told you I loved you. Is that going to carry much water? You see what I'm saying? Active participation. So you say you believe, what are you doing about it? You say God wants to clothe people. When's the last time you got somebody clothes? Do you think God just shows up here and starts knitting sweaters for people? Or does he say we're his hands and his feet? Right? We've got to think through these things, right? But we believe God feeds people, right? How does he do it? Through us, right? How many people have thrown away perfectly good food in the last week because they didn't eat it? Yeah, me. And I'm not trying to convince... Right? And I was like, oh, I, I'm flush with food. It's like, but, and I, I'm asking this question myself, when's the last time I took care of somebody that didn't have enough? As small as it is. And you're like, well, I don't know how to get involved. If you just ask us, friends, like, we're, like, Brian here works at the school. I bet we can hook you up with a family that needs something. Right? Wintertime, I, I, we used to always go, you go to the schools, you find out most kids, like, there's no backpacks, kids don't have shoes. Right? It may not be food. It's just practical things. And it doesn't have to let everybody know what you're doing. You can just find somebody that works in the school and say, hey, especially this school, is there a family here that needs something? Could you just look around? You know, We have some extra money. Backpack shoes. Let me know. And I'll come back in a week. They'll give you a family and say, hey, this is what they need. People want to help people. Amen? So get involved. That's my point. Get involved. Uh, and, and to me, faith is a lot like love in this because uh, talk is cheap. Right? We say we love, we love, we love, but if we're not doing something, we're not helping. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. You notice the expression here, it says, We walk and not stand still. We walk by faith. Every single day, our act of participation is we're walking, we're moving towards Christ. Right? The money you gave five years ago wasn't a check for the rest of your life not to get involved. What are you doing today? What are you doing this week, this month, this year? And this isn't like a guilt trip to get you to do something. I just want you to think about it, reflect on this. Like the Bible uses this great idea of, of meditation. I want you to come and think about these things, right? And maybe your, your conscience is clear. I'm doing this. That's great. I pray you are. But you're like, if I'm not walking by faith, if I'm not every day, like, man, you got to put one foot in front of the other, right? You did it on Monday. Well, how can I exercise my faith on Tuesday? And it doesn't mean like your whole life is just a slave to the church. Maybe it means prayer. Maybe it means being good to someone. Maybe it means reconciling with someone. Right? Okay. Number three. Told you we're going to be quick today. Faith requires you fight. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called about, in, oh, sorry, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So we have this expression, and, and Paul uses this a lot. He says, take up the, the shield of faith. Have you heard these things? The sword of the spirit. We have this idea that our faith is actually meant to be a weapon. 
the good fight of faith. And the idea is like, wait a minute, a weapon. Like, you know, he said it's the shield of faith, and we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's like, why do we have all this fighting analogy? And you need to understand something uh, very big here. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says this, Satan, who is the god of this world. Did you know that? That Satan, the Bible says, is the god of this world Jesus? Not yet, right? Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Uh, They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Ephesians 6.12 says this, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers. Listen to that. The cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So the Bible paints this idea that evil isn't just an abstract idea. It's real, right? It's physical. And I've got a lot to say about this, but I will not. Our faith is meant as a defense against this. Satan blinds the mind of if you ask me, like, what's Satan's main job in a believer's life? I would argue that his job is to get you to doubt. And we can prove this, right? So who were the first couple God made? Adam and, Eve. Adam and Eve. Life is good. They're in the garden. They have access to all the fruit. And God starts off with humanity. And he gives them one rule, right? What's that one rule? Don't eat from this tree. Here's the one rule. That's it. That's a great rule, right? It's like telling your kids, hey, you can eat anything in the house, but don't, you know, don't drink my last bottle of Mexican Coke, right? The glass bottle, right? Don't drink that. And then you come home and your kids drink. That's the only thing they had is that one Coke, right? Now, but how did Satan sneak in there, the, the serpent of old? So Revelation, you know, if you didn't know this, the, the serpent, that's Satan. The Bible actually tips us off later on. It's like, oh, that was Satan. So how did he trick Eve, to take the food. Did God really say, start to doubts? Did God really say this? Right, do you remember that? Yeah. He starts to make her doubt what God said. He said, oh yeah, God said this, this, and this. He said, oh truly, the moment you take of it, you're going to be like him. Sad irony, we are already like him, right? God made us in his image. We're already there. Right, so he lied, he deceived her. That's why he's called a deceiver. So Satan blinds the mind of unbelievers. And our faith, the Bible says, we quench the, the fiery darts of the enemy with our faith. Satan's going to whisper in your ear to doubt the word of God, to doubt God's promises. And the moment he gets a foothold, right, it's like a poison or a cancer. It just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading and affects all these areas. And then you wonder, you wake up two years later, it's like, man, I'm in a faith crisis. I don't know what I believe. I don't know what I think about this gospel. I don't know what I think about the church and these people. You're like, how did I get there? And you let your shield down. You let your faith down. Right? We should always be counteracting what we hear in the world against what God says about us. Right? It does make it, you know, it almost sounds cultish, but the idea is like, hey, we believe we're saved. And we believe we're created by our Heavenly Father. You think he should have a say in what we believe about how things work. Right? And his promises. And I think the enemy's plan in our life is always to get us to doubt God's promise. Raise up a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they shall not depart from it. Your kid starts having problems. What's the first thing you think? Well, that scripture didn't work. Right? But man, weren't all of us a train wreck when we were kids? Was anyone here not a train wreck? Maybe a couple of you. I can't, my parents still are blown away that I'm saved. Right? My parents are blown away that I'm saved. I, I wish you could just. I know, Tracy, we talk about it all the time. Like, we are not candidates for salvation. If you knew us at 18 and 19, not candidates for salvation at all, right? And my parents are like, man, how is the worst one of five kids the, the pastor? <laughs> how does this even work out? We can't count anything out. God's promises are God's promises, right? All right. Trace really warmed you guys up really well. You guys have all turned on me. Thanks, Trace. But anyways, faith requires this fight. And so if you're not active in your faith and what you believe, you just realize the enemy is subtle. He's getting in there. Right? He's getting into your house. He's getting into your mind. He's getting into your heart. And your faith is required to fight these things. 
We read the Psalms. David says, he's like, bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. Right? He's, he's talk, continually talking to himself. Right? Forget not all his benefits. Right? Have you heard these things? When's the last time you just encouraged yourself in the Lord? The Lord is with me. Right? I am saved. Like, he said he would never leave me and forsake me. Right? He hears my prayers. When's the last time you just reminded yourself of these promises? Do you even know what God's promises are? I've given you a handful if you're paying attention, right? Does Jesus give us a promise to hear our prayers? Oh, that's way too quiet. Does Jesus ever give us a promise to hear our prayers? Okay. Do you know that? Sounds like you're unsure about it. Jesus said, up until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask in my name, and I will do it, and my Father will hear you. Is that a promise, yes or no? Yes. Okay. When's the last time? If you're doubting, like, I don't know if God hears my prayers... How about you read that and say, no, no, no. Jesus, you said, like you're encouraging yourself. You're not trying to convince God. He already knows what he said. Not forgetful. You know who is forgetful? You. Right? So if you're doubting prayer works, how about looking up the scriptures and talking about prayer and reminding yourself? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to know how to build your faith up? Read the word of God. If you need to build your faith up in an area, how about writing down what God says about it on some postcards and reading it every day? You don't have to believe it. I'm not going to take up an offer. I don't get paid from the church. I've only gotten money from the church one time as you guys blessed us this year with on uh, Pastor Appreciation Day. You guys raised up money and blessed us. I told you I was angry about it because I always use the example I've never taken a dime from <laughs> but please hear my heart when I tell you this, right? I'm not asking you to do anything, but I want to tell you something very, very real that happened to me in my life. And I, I'm not trying to trick you how faith works. I'm just telling you this is how it works for me. My daughter Hannah, many of you know her, she was born with what's called weeping eczema. And it's just terrible. Your whole skin is scabby and it weeps, it puzzles. And she couldn't grow hair, right? Because it was all over her scalp. And like she, at this point, she's almost three. She has, if you ask me sometimes to show you pictures, huge bags in her eyes, like she's just deficient, like her skin. It's just terrible. And my wife would cry herself to sleep every night. My daughter would cry herself to sleep every night. She gets so bad, you'd have to wrap her like a mother, right? These cool bandages. We, we took her to Children's Hospital. And to listen to my wife cry because my daughter's suffering every night makes me want to cry, right? Three years of this. And I'm beside myself. The, the hospital's like, look, there's nothing, there's no cure for this. Like, this is her life. Man, I'm angry, right? I'm, I'm mad and I'm angry. And I, I read the scripture in Jeremiah, and God says, Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces? And I started thinking about it. I was like, Man, God's word is like a hammer. And I started thinking about all these scriptures that God promises healed, right? Now, hear me out. Like I said, don't throw rocks. You don't, have to, you don't have to believe it. I don't care what you believe. I'm going to tell you what happened. So I started writing these scriptures down. Like I said, I was having doubts, like, like God, I've prayed for him. Like, keep in mind, I've prayed for him. But nothing's happened. I'm like, I was like, maybe I just need to increase my faith. I need to do something. So I wrote down that, uh, like, when the psalmist says that God sent his word to heal us and deliver us from all destruction. So I wrote down, God sent his word to heal Hannah and deliver her from all her destruction. So I put my daughter's name on these things, right? Is anyone sick? Let him call from the altar of the church, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. So I went through and I found all, every verse that I could find, God talks about healing his people. All the way back to the Old Testament, all the way to the full page, right? All these columns, and my daughter's name was on Every night, we'd lay hands down, and every night I would read those scriptures. Patiently read the scriptures out loud. I'd lay my hands on her, and I'd read the scriptures. And the exercise was for me, like trying to sow my faith, like God, like trusting in God. Like, if you love somebody, I'll pray for my daughter forever. If it takes 30 years to heal her, I'm, I'm down with that. I just want to heal her. Friends, I promise you, God is my witness. 30 days later, those scabs all fall off her body. She's fine. Hair grew in. You've seen my daughter, beautiful young lady. She's got a little bit of eczema right here. And she gets really stressed out and possibly on her joints. 30 days. And all I did was quote the scripture over and over. I'm not saying. So a seed in 30 days, your life is healed. That, that's nonsense. That was for me. I suffered for three years until I figured that out. So I don't act like it all happened in 30 days. There's three years of me praying and reading and talking to God. 
exercising my faith. Because he gave me a promise, right? Now we know that, we're going to talk about this very briefly, but does God always do everything he asks? No. No. He's not a genius. I can't manipulate God, right? But the point of faith is not to doubt his ability, right? We're going to talk about that. But I, I don't want you to have this idea that if you just try hard enough, you can manipulate God. That's, you've missed it. Right? God wants his beings to believe him, to take him at his word. Right? Paul asks to have a thorn in the flesh for you. I got an idea what this thorn is, but it's kind of besides the point. And Paul, Paul says, I have this thorn in the flesh. Can we remove it? God says, no. So he goes again, God has a thorn in the flesh for you. Third time. God, I have this thorn in my flesh for you. What does God say? No. He said, my strength is made perfect. I'm going to keep this here because it makes you rely on me. Okay? So some people take that as like, well, God tells everybody, no, you missed it. Because Jesus killed all sorts of people, right? You don't know how what God's going to do. That's up to him. My job with faith is just to believe that he can. Amen? The Bible says God's arm too short and he can't save. The Bible says, is there anything too hard for God? No. Can he raise the dead? Yes. Can he heal cancer? Yes. Can he, can he help you make up your, your rent that's three months behind? Yes. There's nothing he can't do. Yes. That's what faith is. When I go to him in prayer, I'm not praying what might happen. I'm asking God to move what he can do. What he does is up to him. Amen? Amen. But I have a suspicion like, because of faith, we're going to see some things that God responds to faith. We're going to see Jesus. We're going to see, tell some stories here. It's going to be good. Okay. So faith requires you fight. Don't let the enemy in. Don't. If you find yourself in doubt how these things work, put in the work. Read the word. Meditate on the word. Pray the word. Talk to people. Read books. Right? I promise you it is worth it. I promise you. I wasn't going to do any personal testimonies, but that one about <coughs> Hannah... It means so much to me because it taught me so much, right? After three years, of the, the countless tears and nights up. And honestly, when someone's sick, that's just the worst, right? Because no amount of money can fix that. And there's no cure for it. Yeah, I could hold it, rob all the banks in the world. Steve, uh, you guys know who Steve Jobs is? Yes. Founder of Apple? He had a, a weird quote before he died. He had this epiphany. He was dying of cancer. He was really skinny. And he said... Uh, because my whole life I've been able to pay people to do things for me. I can pay people to drive. I can I can pay people to make money for me, right? Come up with ideas for me. He goes, but I can't pay anybody to carry this cancer for me. And he's just having this epiphany. He's like, everything in my life I could get somebody to do for me because of my great wall. He goes, but I can't make somebody take this. And tribulation and, and sickness and all these things, friends, and we will go through that, is we realize this, there's only one person that helps me. And who is that? Jesus. So, learning to operate in your faith, it'll strengthen you for the day of trouble ahead. Amen? Because there's no human help apart from him in some of these things that we're going to encounter. Amen? Okay. We have to fight. Thank you, Heidi. Last point. Faith requires mountains to move. Matthew 17, 20 says this. He replied, because you have so little faith, I tell you. But if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus uses all sorts of figures of speech, hyperboles, metaphors, all these things. Now, he wouldn't want a bunch of Christians picking up mountains and throwing them into the ocean, right? That would be dangerous. So what is he trying to say here? That really saying is like, nothing is impossible for him. Like, what's the most impossible thing we can think of? Picking up a mountain and chuck it in the ocean, right? Can any human being pick up a mountain and put it in the ocean? You see the point he's trying to make? He's like, hey, him who believes, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen? Amen. And it's not because his faith is so awesome. It's because we believe in an awesome God. Like, God is awesome. Can Jesus pick, can God pick up a mountain and chuck it in the ocean if he wanted to? You get the idea here, right? It's not us, it's him. Him who believes in an all-powerful creator, that's why nothing's impossible, because you believe in your God. Let's read a story, Mark 9, 14 through 24. You might know this story, uh, but I love it very much. It says, 
Now, when the, they, the, I'm sorry, when they came to the other disciples, they say a large crowd around them, uh, around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. So we see Jesus' disciples and the Pharisees, they're, all, they're in an argument, right? It's going very well. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. And Jesus, I love Jesus, right? Because all these people are greeting him, hey, hey, it's Jesus. And he's like, hey, what are you jokers arguing about? He asked. Verse 17, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you uh, my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Verse 19, Jesus says, you unbelieving generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around and foamed at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? He said, from childhood, he answered. It often throws him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Verse 23, here's the magic. If you can, like, you see the question mark there? Jesus is like, if, if you can do something, if I, if I can do something, look at this. He says, everything is possible for one who believes. Amen. And then he says, oh man, cut off here. My slide is cut off. I'm ready to appear. Uh, immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I love the fact that he's just honest at this point. He's like, I believe. He's like, wait a minute, this guy can obviously read my thoughts. Help my unbelief. And does Jesus help the boy? Spoiler alert, he does. You can read about that on your own. But here, the, the guy's imploring Jesus, can you do anything? He's like, if you can. He's like, it's not up to me. All things are possible to him who believes. These are tough stories, right? Because you're like, man, at what point does God require us to do something? That's the question, right? This is where some of you theologically will begin to disagree with some of this, right? Because some people think, well, if God's going to do it, he's going to do it. If he's not, he's not. And it has nothing to do with me. I do not subscribe to that at all, period. My life hasn't experienced that. I don't think the Bible says that. Because if that's the case, why do we pray? Let's be honest. Does God want us to pray against Raise your hand if you think God wants us to pray that. Now, if God's going to do what he's going to do, does God just want to waste our time? No. Do you think prayer changes things? Yes. Do you think things won't get done if you don't pray about certain things? Or things that could be done won't be done if you don't pray about them? We know that's true because James tells us. He says, hey, you have not because you ask not. Right? If you want something, why don't you ask about it? He says, and he goes, also you don't have is because you ask him this. You ask alone. You ask that you, you can just spend it on your lusts, right? Hey, God, I want $500. Okay, why? Oh, no. <laughs> I want to go to the casino this week. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, I'm sorry, you want to go to the casino this week. No judgment here, right? But you get the idea. I want $500 because I want to buy groceries for these people at a school. That's a lot different. See what I'm saying? You have them because you ask them. Right? So why aren't you asking? Right? Well, yeah. again, I, I point back to the faith. And Jesus said, nothing is impossible for him to believe. Right? Oh, man, okay, one more quick story. So Hannah, let's talk about Hannah again, my wonderful daughter. So we went through, uh, when I got out of the Air Force, uh, we went through a season of severe financial drought. And this season lasted like two, we were two years of this joker. I mean, has anyone here been broke for a long period of time? Yeah. Paul says, I know how to abound and I know how to be amazed. Right? He says, I know how to have a lot. Let me tell you right now, if you've never had a little, it's worse than having a lot. I know Christians are always like, Lord, don't give me too much, don't give me too little. Having too little is way worse than having too much. Personal experience. Anyways, we're two years into this, and we can barely put gas in our car. I, I mean, we're in our 20s. We have two young kids. I mean, we have no extra. Like, like our spaghetti no longer has meat in it poor. Right? Jump ropes and coloring books for Christmas because your kids are two and three. They don't know the difference, right? They love everything. And I'm just ashamed of myself. Like, oh, my God, 
I'm working at a church. I'm a full-time pastor, right? And so I'm like, the church is going through the recession. The people stopped giving. So we all took pay cuts. It's a terrible time. One night, Hannah, uh, she says to me, I want to, this was before my wife became a Disney home. And Hannah's like, I want to go to Disney. And even, what, 16 years ago, tickets were like 100 bucks each, right? Friends, I don't have 20 bucks for the gas tank to get up to Disney, let alone tickets for four of us. I, son, daughter, my wife and I. So what any, like any good broke parent would do is like, well, ask God. He'll take care of it, right? So put it on God. So, oh, you didn't get the tickets? That's God's fault, right? It's not your broke dad's fault. So I swear to you, this, you can ask my wife. I wouldn't lie to you. There's no point in lying to you. Like I said, I'm not taking up an offer. I'm not trying to pull your arms. <laughs> Hannah prays. She's like, God, uh, we want to go to Disney. She's like, maybe, Audrey, maybe she's five or six. Maybe she's eight. I don't know. Kids are little kids. And... Uh, and she says, Amen. Right, Tucker, and kiss my prayer. I'm like, Great. I swear to you, God's my witness. We go to church Sunday, and this guy at our church is like, had four Disney tickets for us. Gave me $200 cash to cover the gas and food while we were up there. He goes, Man, I was praying, and I just felt like you guys needed a like, mini vacation. Hannah prayed that prayer. I had no faith. Remember, my attitude was, Whatever. Hannah, why don't you pray for me? So when you're disappointed, what a terrible thought. I look back, I'm so ashamed. Because I want my kids to believe like I do. But I just push it off. Oh, you want to go to Disney? Ask God. That's not on me. You know what God did? Okay, fine. You're going to Disney with Joe right? And I was just, oh, we, my wife, were in tears, right? It's like, how did you know? I mean, I won't tear thinking about it now. It's like, some guy, some other great Christian was just listening. And he just had this inspiration. It's not like you heard a voice about it, right? He's like, oh, you know, I want to do something nice for these guys. Sometimes it's not even about, like, buying groceries. Like, I use all these examples. Sometimes just being good to people. He takes them out to dinner. And they don't need something, but maybe they just need some fellowship. You just, like, start moving on these hunches in faith, right? Maybe just call someone and say hi. Like, uh, maybe, I, maybe it's my own fault, because I always use the same examples of groceries and clothes, like, basically. Did I need to go to Disneyland? No, but you know what? I was two years into not having a lot of money, and my faith was doing work with God. And he provided me care for me, because I was a pastor. Don't you care, God? I turned my car, can't pay for my house, can't put gas. I'm, this is what, I'm being honest with you, this is what I was telling you. Don't you see me, God? Don't you see me? I've left a career to serve you, to love you, right? Have, has anyone ever said these things to God, like in their deepest heart? And you started lying, it's like, what am I doing wrong? Sometimes when things are working, maybe it has nothing, maybe you're not doing anything wrong. We all go through trials and tribulations, right? Do we not? And when those Disney tickets came, they just boosted my faith, saying, you see me. Right? You see me. We had a great day at the park with our kids. Right? And life goes on. But what that did for my faith is, <coughs> 15 years later, I'm still talking about it. Because it gave me, that's like, you see me. So sometimes, like, wanting to go to Disney or wanting to fly home and see somebody, don't feel bad for asking for this. You may need that. You may need a vacation with your spouse. And you're like, oh, no, that's too... Man, God knows what you need. Amen? Make your request known to Right? So I, I've had people, like, their car isn't trustworthy, and, they're, and they don't want to ask God for their car. Well, I'm not one of those name it, claim it people, you know what I mean? Yeah. I pray that I can always afford to have my wife have an access car. Have you ever been in a car where the brakes have gone out and you've blown a tire? You want your spouse going through that? It's being real here. It's like, God knows what we care about. Like, that matters to me as my wife is in the car. Maybe it doesn't matter to you. Right? And I'm not trying to be funny. Maybe that's just not on your radar. But I'm a mechanically minded person, so I'm always looking at vehicles. Like, is this working right? Because I don't think my wife would go through the brakes went out. I think my wife would just keep on stuff on the gas. And die in a fire inflation. I don't think she would even think to do anything other than that. And I don't mean it in a bad way. I think she'd just panic and drive off the bridge. So I'm thinking, it's like, give my life a nice Okay, you get what I'm saying, right? Now I want to show you a couple of things. So we can find all sorts of things of Jesus answering prayer, but I want to show you something in the Bible where he didn't do something. Matthew 13:58 says this. He says he, could not, he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Jesus went to his hometown, and everyone's like, ah, oh, that's just the carpenter's son. You guys remember this? And Jesus said, ah, oh, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Look at this. I don't know if 
you've ever seen this. If, if you see this in your Bible, this is Matthew 13, 58. You should underline this. He did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. The Son of God was going around doing what he was healing people. He was, he was cleansing the lepers. He was raising the dead. He was feeding thousands of people. And then he encountered people in his hometown like, yeah, that's just the carpenters. Look at that. He didn't do any miracles there. Does that shock you? Have you ever seen that? Didn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Unbelief will block some of these things, friends. And and I get so angry when I see people abuse faith to make it about health and wealth, right? Like you've seen it. If you've ever watched TVN, I'm not saying go do it. I'm not saying everything is bad on it. But there are people that abuse this. They do it to fleece the flock, ask for money. Hey, if you give me money, God will bless you, right? You just give. There's always some other aspect. But I do believe God wants to provide for his children. Give us this day our daily bread, right? Are there people with wealth that are honest servants of Christ? Honest servants of Christ? Yes. Are there people that are poor that are honest servants of Christ? Yes. Yes, of course. We have we go to work to make money, right? Do you have you have rent bills, mortgage bills, power bills? Like we're about to all turn on our air conditioner. You know they're gonna gouge us this year. Is anyone else paying over six dollars a gallon like I am? Or are you guys all living in the, this faith economy, right? Yeah. We have needs. Right? Is it okay to ask God to meet these needs? Yes. I say yes. It falls under our daily bread, right? That scripture does not simply mean God will give you literally bread. That's it. That's all you can ask for. Right? But people abuse that and they, they make it about themselves and their lusts. But Jesus says here he doesn't he didn't do mighty works here because of people's unbelief. If you can't believe God for some of these basic necessities, I'm telling you, friends, that's not walking by faith. If you make enough money and you're meeting all your needs, that's a dangerous spot because you stop trusting God. I'll be honest with you, at this point in my life, I've got it really, I've got a good, I, I'm not paid by the church, I have a full-time job, for lack of a better word, I'm a field engineer, I make good money, right, my family's healthy, all these things are going on, and I've always found that's the most dangerous spot to be in because I stopped relying on the Lord. I've got enough money in my bank account that if my fridge exploded tomorrow, I just go buy another one. This isn't a weird flex. I say it because there's been points in my life that if, you know, I blew out a shoe, I couldn't buy another one. Like I, I told you, I ran the gamut of life. And this is much, I've been telling you, just as a pastor, this is much more dangerous to be in when I didn't have a lot. Because when I didn't have a lot, I woke up every day focused, laser focused on prayer. Then I'll, then I'll testify to that. That when you're struggling, when you're sick, I'm laser focused praying for somebody. When everybody's healthy, you know what I'm not praying for? Our health. Yeah, it's, it's scary. That's why Jesus said, look, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? It's not money. It's the love of money that corrupts us. It's the trusting of money. The Bible tells us to love God, not love money. You see the difference there. But when money becomes a God, when we trust in it, when we go to it first, right? When my bank account can solve any problem I run into. Oh, if I get sick, I've got enough money to go to the hospital, Right? I mean, that's why, that's why it's so dangerous. Because it's, it takes the place of God. Do you see what's happening here? So, asking and praying and believing God for these things, it needs to be just done daily. It doesn't matter where you're at, physically, financially, spiritually. Don't let unbelief creep in there. Amen? Because the, I, I think the key to walking with God every day is that daily trust. Let's read James 5.14. It says, is there anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Here it is. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Okay, for time's sake, is there something special that elders have? So if Trace and I pray for you, will that produce better results than if um, Jackie prayed for you? I would argue not. So why does it say let him call for the elders? And I, I'm going to propose this idea that by the time you're an elder, you should have had this faith thing figured out. You should be able to trust God to pray for somebody, right? If you come up and you ask Trace to pray for you, Trace like, I, I don't know if God does this. Man, that's scary stuff. If you know what's in the Bible, right? It's like I'm not saying if you came up and asked Trace, hey, Trace, would you pray that I win the lottery? Okay. 
We're not going to pray with you for that. We may ask you, why do you need the money so bad? Maybe we, maybe we can find a biblical reason why you need money, right? We'll start the interrogation process and be able to ask God something correctly. But we're not going to just pray for anything. Here it says, is anyone sick? Call for the elders. I can't tell you, we've had lots of sick people in this church. You know how often people call Trish and I to pray for them or pray for your church? Not even once a year, right, brother? People just don't, like, to me it's like, if I'm sick, I always tell them, always, if I'm sick enough to need hands laid on me, I'll tell, I tell the elders, hey, will you guys pray for me? This is going on. Right? Take advantage of these things, right? And that's why I think he says to ask the elders. Because I guarantee you, if you ask me to pray for you, I do believe God. I'm not saying I'm the man. It's not, I don't have faith in my faith. I just have faith in God. Right? I leave it up to him. I do believe God is. I believe he heals the sick. I believe he provides. I believe fish can cause the gold coins out of mountains. I believe I'm going to be saved from that. Amen? I believe these things. I, my life has changed because of these things. Anyways, all right. Things to think about. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turbo launch three scriptures at you here, and we'll get out of here. It says, Matthew 9, 22, And Jesus turned about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Matthew 9, 29, He touches eyes. He says, According to your faith, be it unto you. Luke 5, 20, And when he saw their faith, he saw the people open up the, the roof, right, and lower the paraplegic down. He says, When he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven. Right? He, he could actually, faith was like he saw them doing it here. If you go and you study the miracles of Jesus, almost every time, not every time, but almost every time, it's a response to faith. People believe something. Remember, Jesus was in a crowd, and the, the Bible says the woman with the issue of blood came up and touched the hem of his garments. And Jesus said, who touched me? I felt power go out of me. You remember that story? But do you remember what the woman said before she touched Jesus? Jesus wearing a magical garment. No. But for whatever reason, the woman just said, I just touched his garment. How was she healed? Just touched his garment. Look, friends, don't. uh, It always just sounds so crazy, but just study these stories out. One person said, Lord, if you you don't have to go to my house, just say it. And Jesus' mind was a man. Nobody in Israel has this much faith. Right? You remember that? Like, there's no magic formula for miracles and answered prayers. Sometimes Jesus fits in the mud. Sometimes Jesus says something. Sometimes somebody grabs his garment. Right? Like there's, and I, I think it's by design that we can't put God down to a formula. Right? He's not a formula. He's not the same thing God. There's one thing God wants from you. Believe. Without faith, it's impossible to believe. God, above all else, wants to be taken Amen? What he does with it now, that's up to him. That's why I said he's not going to be worked like a puppet. Well, I believe in God, you have to give it to him. Friends, you're going on a real bad road right there. <laughs> From experience, you're going on a bad road. Stay in faith, because I do think he may not answer how you think he's going to answer, but God always answers. Like my daughter, it took me three years. Have you ever prayed for something that long? Has anyone prayed for anything and got an answer after years? Yeah, right? I mean, not a lot of people stick around that long. Jesus said, knock, what? Keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. I am of the opinion, I will keep praying about something until God tells me to stop, like Paul. Paul kept asking until God said no. And if I don't hear anything, I don't always take that as a no. Some people get so discouraged. God, will you do this? It's not done the next day. Well, that didn't work. It's craziness, right? Again, God is not your genie. He's after something in me, too. He's after the endurance. He's after the patience. We talked about that at the beginning, right? I learned so much in that three years I suffered, right? That I just realized, okay, in God's time, right? Because maybe that maybe that is going to happen. Anyways, I want you to meditate on this. Last scripture, and we'll dismiss here. It says, I tell you, Jesus speaking here, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The God of this world and this whole world system is designed to have us to be to doubt God, to doubt his word, to doubt his gospel, to doubt his son. Jesus says this thing, well, when the Son of Man returns, will he even find faith on the earth? 
The scriptures tells us that in the end times, the love of many will grow cold. Remember, faith works by love. Like all these things, the hatred that we have towards each other, towards our fellow countrymen, it makes your faith ineffective. Faith only works through love. Amen? Amen. And so to move towards Christ, friends, here's my encouragement to you as your pastor. Just believe God. Please, begin to believe God. If you don't know how this works, talk to Trace or I, and uh, we'll figure it out together. Amen? Amen. Jerry, can you come up? Let's, uh, let's pray. We'll sing a response to the Lord.